I'm Bill Lawrence, and this is my big bag of onions. The cough made to California, broken hearts that boss unknown. And through this night we'll share a lover On that dark radio How the soul may be so lonely Hands pressed cold against the phone The young stars are standing by La, 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 la,
As the fog lifted near the Cape of Good Hope, Le Gentil discovered four ships on the horizon. Some five miles away, but closing in quickly, the menacing British warships dwarfed the small frigate on which the French astronomer was traveling. Peering through his telescope, he saw that two of the ships had 64 cannons each. The French vessel had 24. The British had been following the ship for the past few days but the weather had always allowed them to escape, until now. As if sea voyages were not hazardous enough already, the volatile political situation made it all the worse. With the Seven Years' War in full swing, Delisle was sending the astronomers into war zones. Traveling between warring armies in order to reach the transit destinations made for treacherous journey. With Britain and France fighting against each other, the appearance of the enemy fleet might have meant a premature end to Le Gentil's voyage. Me, darling.
the mother-in-law syndrome reflects the skewed power relations between the sexes, as well as strife between the generations. The imbalance begins at or before birth. Even today, girls are likelier than boys to die in childhood. They often receive less food, schooling or medical care, or are simply abandoned. This is largely because males still wield economic power. Boys generally inherit land and other assets and are far likelier to bring home wages. Girls are passed to other families as wives and domestic labour. Since men control a family's dealings with the outside world, running the farm or a business, women are left to oversee the home. The legendary ferocity of the Tsars can be seen as an effort to monopolise the little power that is available to her sex.
listening to my big bag of onions. In almost every public place today, the ears are assailed by the sound of pop music. In shopping malls, public houses, restaurants, hotels and elevators, the ambient sound is not human conversation, but the music disgorged into the air by speakers, usually invisible and inaccessible speakers that cannot be punished for their impertinence. Some places brand themselves with their own signature sound, folk, jazz, or excerpts from the Broadway musicals. For the most part, however, the prevailing music is of an astounding banality. It is there in order not to be really there. It is a background to the business of consuming things, a surrounding nothingness on which we scribble the graffiti of our desires. The worst forms of this music, sometimes known after the trade name as Muzak, are produced without the intervention of musicians, being put together on a computer from a repertoire of standard effects. Oh, you 
I'm home, minding my own business. The front door is locked, the window's secure, I'm wearing my jammies. And then, unexpectedly, I'm violated by my television. I might be innocently watching the nightmare that is Jersey Shore or a grisly autopsy on CSI when the show cuts to a commercial. Sigh. Instead of a cover girl ad, it's a goddamned horror movie trailer. A young girl is running in the woods, presumably away from a psychopath or the not-so-steady cam that's hunting her down. In just two minutes, I hear screaming and I see duct tape, knives, guns, sweaty, unshaved faces, moody lighting, fear, choppy editing, a microwave. My heart is racing and I'm seriously disturbed. It's coming from inside the house. Like Drew Barrymore in the opening sequence of Scream, I can't escape. It's bad enough that Friday the 13th forever screwed my chances for a fear-free camping trip. But now I have to be afraid every time I reach for the remote.
give it all away. Yes, you heard me right. Sell up the house and give away the proceeds. Your own offspring could inherit prematurely, or you might choose to donate the money to someone else. Either way, the important thing is that the beneficiary should have their life ahead of them. After all, it's when they're in their prime that your children can really use some money. They've got to have somewhere to live, and they've almost certainly a zest for the finer things in life. And then there are children of their own to consider, as you've reminded them throughout their childhoods. Having these little bundles of joy can be pricey. But what about me? I hear you screech through the ether. What about my old age? You don't want me to waste away in penury, do you? No, I don't want you to suffer unnecessarily. But how can I put it without upsetting some of you who are a little anxious? You're listening to my big bag of onions. Les passants, passants, je passe mon temps à les regarder penser. Leurs pas pressés dans leur corps les ailes. Leurs passés se dévoient dans les pas sans se soucier. Que suspicieuse à la vue, je perçois le jeu de pan. Leur visage comme des masques me fait l'effet répugnant. Que faire semblant, c'est dans l'air du temps. Passe, passe, passera, la dernière restera. Passe, passe, passera, la dernière restera. Enfin, en effet, que de fait, le fait est que l'effet se reflète à sa capacité de prendre le fait tel qu'il est, sans se référer à un système de pensée dans sa tête. Dans un déjà, c'était l'été hier encore. Le temps me surprend semble s'accélérer Les chiffres de mon âge Amènent vers ce mois rêvé Passe, passe, passera La dernière restera Passe, passe, passera La dernière restera Des cycles différents, c'est marrant, c'est remont Qui m'anime à travers tant d'un état à un autre J'oscille inexorablement Par les temps, je cours à l'équilibre Chaque jugement sur les gens me donne la direction à suivre Sur ces choses en moi, à changer Qui m'empêchent d'être libre Les voix se libèrent et s'exposent Dans les vitrines du monde en mouvement Les corps qui dansent en osmose se confondent et s'attirent irrésistiblement Par les temps je cours à l'expression Chaque émotion ressentie me donne envie d'exprimer les non-dits Et que justice soit faite dans nos pauvres vies endormies Passe, passe, passera, la dernière restera Passe, passe, passera, la dernière restera
passe, passe, passera, la dernière restera. Passe, passe, passera, la dernière restera. Passe, passe, passera, la dernière restera. Chair, a table, a lamp. There's a window with white curtains. And the glass is shatterproof, but it isn't running away, they're afraid of. A handmaid wouldn't get far. It's those other escapes. The ones you can open in yourself, given a cutting edge. Or a twisted sheet in a chandelier. I try not to think about those escapes. It's harder on ceremony days, but thinking can hurt your chances. My name is Alfred. I had another name, but it's forbidden now. So many things are forbidden now. a list of those we might wish to consider for the vacant offices, he said, offering Rob a paper plucked from his sleeve. Hassan glanced at the names. He had come from outside, Catlin saw. His cheeks were red from the cold, his hair shaggy and windblown. Good men, he said. We'll talk about them tomorrow. He handed back the list of names.
Charles's entire farm is geared towards preserving Gloucestershire's rich food traditions, its animal breeds, cheeses and fruit varieties, which includes a selection of the county's 160 peri-pear varieties. They're taken to an old timber frame barn to be pulped. They're turned into a pear porridge, which is pressed. Yeast is then added to the juice, and fermentation creates a drink which will become more subtle, far more delicate than a cider. However, the perry Charles makes won't be sold. Here we are. On the wall of a dark, cool barn, bottles fill an entire wall, ready for two different uses. One is to wash the cheese that will become Stinking Bishop, itself named after a perry pear. What does this peri bring to your cheese? Well, it, it encourages bacteria to grow. Bacteria which is brown and very smelly. It gives the cheese a very rich flavour. The wind is in from Africa Last night I couldn't sleep Oh, you know it sure is hard to leave here, Carrie But it's really not my home Fingernails are filthy I've got beach tar on my feet And I miss my clean white linen And my fancy French cologne Oh, Carrie, get out your cane put on some silk Oh, you're a neat old daddy But I like you a bottle of wine and we'll laugh and toast and nothing and smash our empty glasses down let's have a round for these freaks and these soldiers a round for these friends of mine let's have another round for the bright red devil who keeps me in this tourist town come on Carrie get out your cake I'll put on some Starry dawn, and they're playing that scratchy rock and roll beneath the mantle moon. Come on, Carrie, get out your cane. Put on some silk. You're a mean old daddy, but I like you. The wind is in from Africa. Last night I couldn't sleep. Oh, you know it sure is hard to leave you, but it's really not my home. Maybe it's been too long a time since I was scrambling down in the street. Now they got me used to that clean white linen and that fancy French cologne. Oh, Carrie, get out your cane. I'll put on my finest silk. Oh, you're a mean old daddy, but you're out of sight.
service stations have their own psychogeography. The toilets are their epicenter. People gravitate towards them at pace, often with a desperate child or two in tow. The gents are ornamented with condom machines and adverts for erectile dysfunction treatment, arguably an insensitive combination. Outside, the motorway hotel squats like a penitentiary. In the early evening, the Polish receptionist is in negotiations with a large, half-naked man who is demanding an extra duvet. In a corner of one of the car parks is a discreet lane for use by authorised vehicles only, which connects the services to nearby towns. This, people speculate, is the way the tramps who spend their nights here arrive. One of them slept on the deck outside a coffee shop for much of the summer. Walking up the lane feels rather like Truman's flight from his artificial life in The Truman Show. The road rises into the countryside, flanked by hedgerows, wild flowers, pheasants sheltering in a cornfield. Farther up, there is a ghoulish, burned-out car.
you're listening to my big bag of onions. The English countryside is an icon of our national inheritance, a symbol of what we are. It was the source of inspiration in the art and literature of the two world wars, has been the heart of our children's stories and forms the background to everyone's dream of retirement. It is home for us and the place that we long for when travelling abroad. I don't say everyone shares those sentiments, but they are sufficiently strong to have dictated the politics of planning in this country and to have secured our country from the kind of unsightly ribbon development and industrial overspill that now ruins the landscape in many parts of Eastern Europe. The Green Belt policy expresses the determination that the countryside will not be swallowed by the towns, and ever since the war it has been assumed that the default position when it comes to building in rural areas Do
think, like everybody, I'd like to say it was ideal, and in, in some ways it, it really was. My parents had uh, a hotel on the west coast of Scotland, which was just on the, the banks of Loch Carron. You went out first thing in the morning with all your chums. Your parents didn't know where you were. They didn't have to worry because you'd descend on somebody else's mother for lunch. And suddenly you'd come home at tea time thoroughly exhausted, filthy dirty. You'd been as safe as anything and you just explored life as a child. So, you know, the early parts of my childhood, I would say, were absolutely ideal. And at that stage, no indication of, of what I was going to do with the rest of my life. But then who does? None of my family, I would say, are, are overtly religious, but we all feel very strongly about Christian values. So I believe in, in what is right and what is wrong, what is good, what is bad, treating people the way that you would like to be treated yourself. And, and that was really the very sort of strong moral upbringing. Hello. 
from a scientific point of view, it is now very likely that there will be again another ice age quite soon in the world, that we shall have the north part of the world all frozen like it used to be, then we're beginning to have natural disasters. From a scientist's study, it seems likely that we shall soon begin to have this great change in the Earth's climate, and the oceans will rise, and many cities will be flooded, like London and Calcutta and so on. These things, they say, will happen according to scientific theories in about 40 years at the most, but maybe even quicker. Join me again soon for another big bag of onions.